The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Those are some powerful herbs. <laughs> giving me dark visions. Shall we pack this again? I, I'm not getting visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Visions. Daddy, so are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. <laughs> I think Jackal's a Rapino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you. Hold on one second here. The Jackal. All right, everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Inside the Jackal's Head and live right here on the PSN Radio Network. And this is the second part of the best back-to-back shows on all online radio. Big shout-outs to the Zod Writer Show. Uh, he had just a great, great episode, so big shout-outs to him. This is, of course, the best back-to-back on any online radio exciting guest he had on. He had an independent artist, Victoria Moretta, and tonight I have a great independent artist as my guest, Miss I.R. Harris, is going to be joining me here in about 25 minutes. We're a little bit, we're running a little bit late. We had a couple of technical snafus uh, that went on uh, behind the scenes here. All Pete's fault. No. Jesus. No, no. you know it is your fault. But uh, joining us, uh, like I said, in 25 minutes is going to be I.R. Harris, and um, I just actually got her book in the mail, Pete, and this is a big book. I'm going to just, uh, I'm not going to lie, I haven't read the book yet, but I'm looking forward to really digging into this thing. I'm about maybe 10 pages in, and uh, it's a pretty big book. I just got it on Saturday, actually, it just showed up, and uh, it looks really, really cool. It's a trilogy, and uh, she's a really cool author, really nice uh person to, uh, to have on the show. I think everybody's going to really, really like her. Uh, guys, if you're listening in, of course, as always, I want to tell you where to go to if you want to check out the podcast afterwards. Go to Inside the Jackal's Head's main website. Bookmark it if you haven't already. Thejackalshead.com Of course, that's the main website. All the podcasts are there, including I just updated my book club, which I don't know if you guys were uh, you know, aware that I actually have a book club on the website now. And if you look in there, there's a bunch of new books that I put on there, including uh, Mrs. Harris's uh, books, The Bound Trilogy, as it's called. As you all know, I'm a big fan of trilogies, you know, Star Wars and whatnot. So it's always cool when I hear anybody who does stuff in trilogies. I wonder what, you know, motivated her to do that. And that's uh, something we're going to ask her about when she's on the show. Uh, I got a couple of uh, news articles that popped up into... uh, the news feed and felt important enough to talk about tonight. So I want to get to those in a second. Also, I want to let everybody know that we're going to have, as always, open lines. If you want to call in at any point on the show tonight for the entire hour, open lines we're going to have, uh, especially when we have the uh, the guest on. If you guys want to call in and ask her anything, please do so. 786-245-8127 is the number to call in. Some sad news uh, you know, happened uh, in the last uh, few day, uh, last couple of days, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But real quick, I wanted to give a double happy birthday to good friends of ours uh, here on the show. Uh, first off, the the show that comes right before us, Zod Ryder. Zod actually is uh, his birthday today, and funny enough, one of his favorites is uh, also celebrating a birthday today. Rich Giordano of the AZUFO show. Remember that show, no. Pete? 
Oh, come on, be nice. Rich uh, Rich no. loves you, Pete. Yeah, you know oh, he does. Oh, man. But, look, I know you guys uh, have some issue. I don't know what, what's going on with you and him, but anyway. Uh, they both have the, the same birthday, which is pretty cool, so... Happy birthday to both uh, Rich and to Zod. And I know that Zod is uh, trying to make it happen. He's trying to get Rich on his show. And that's going to be awesome when he actually has Rich on his show. That's uh, that's going to be a fun episode. If they haven't done it already and I just completely missed it. Because it could happen. It could have happened. I may, maybe just completely missed it. And if I did, Zod, forgive me. Send me a link and I'll check it out later. But uh, that's the good news for the week. And now I'm going to hit you with some downer news. Some really, really sad news. Um, actually, Sam Simon, the co-creator of The Simpsons, uh, died at age 59. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge fan of The Simpsons. I love, you know, animation and stuff. And yes, I know it's not exactly independent artist stuff. You know, The Simpsons is as mainstream as you're going to get. Uh, but this is, you know, part of our... Americana, you know, it's part of our lexicon. The, six, the Simpsons have been on for like, what, 50,000 years? I don't know, they've been on forever on TV. And uh, as far as I can remember anyway, as far as I was a little kid, um, you know, I've always seen The Simpsons on TV. And uh, this guy is one of the guys that created the show and uh, sadly enough passed away, the co-creator of the hit animated show. That's an understatement. I mean, I don't know if it's the longest running. I'm pretty sure it's the longest running at this point. Um, animated series ever. I know it's not longer, uh, or the longest TV series ever. I think that would, would probably what go to Days of Our Lives or something like that. I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe uh, no Doctor Who. Who knows? But anyway, it says here Sam Simon has been uh, battling colon cancer, and uh, his agent said on Monday, uh, Simon won uh, seven Emmy awards for his work as writer and director and executive producer for the longest-running sitcom on American television. So yeah, I guess it is the well, it, I guess the current running sitcom, whatever. The Simpsons, uh, which uh, chronicles the life of the clumsy father Homer Simpson and his uh, dysfunctional family, uh, first aired in 1989. Man, and I remember seeing that first episode, which is really, really dating me now and making me feel old. Uh, Simon led the uh, show's writing staff and is uh, credited uh, with developing the uh, characters and the uh, features on, on the uh, show itself. He left the show after four seasons, but continued to receive between $20 million and $30 million each year. Jesus! After striking a deal that gave him part of the uh, the show's future earnings... And uh, after the after he was diagnosed, he said that he wanted uh, to donate all his fortune to charity. Well, that's a nice way to go out. Uh, I'm sure he really meant that too. And you know, it's money doesn't mean everything. You know what I mean? Look at this man. All that money he made over the years and still passed away from colon cancer. Now Simon gave us. Gay uh, says here Simon gave much of his money to the social causes, especially those working on animal welfare issues. In 2002, he founded the nonprofit uh, Sam Simon Foundation, which is devoted to rescuing dogs from shelters and training them to assist the disabled. And this is here. I have uh, a desire to help an- to help animals. Simon said. Simon says. Why is that funny to me? No. Anyway. Um, Simon said in an interview with uh, Ru- uh, Routers or uh, Rooters in uh, 2012, uh, he said, "It's my money, and I get to do what I want with it. It's an expensive hobby, and I picked up uh, I picked it up at the end of my life. It is uh, with much sadness that we must let you uh, know that Sam Simon has passed over." The organization announced on its uh, Facebook page. Uh, fellow Simon producer Al Jean tweeted, "A great man, I owe him everything." From his uh, verified account uh, on Twitter. And uh, there we go. Sam Simon 
is uh, now gone, passed away. Again, money does not mean everything, folks. You know, people who uh, who put all this uh, this value on material things, including money, think that just because they get amount, uh, you know, amass a certain amount of wealth, that it's going to really change the, their their lives. Look, how many actors, actresses, politicians, you know, people with money, don't get you know completely shamed at, and die in bizarre ways or get cancer or just die from horrible diseases. And look, it happens all the time to people with money also. Money is not the greatest thing ever. It's not the, you know, it's just something that we need to live, unfortunately, because the way society is built. But look, at the end of the day, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. But uh, rest in peace. And man, what, uh, what a legacy this man left behind. I mean, Jesus, the Simpsons, are you kidding me? Again, that's a, a staple in Americana. Folks, I mean that's one of the uh, greatest uh, shows in TV history. So uh, you know, sad day uh, definitely for uh, TV fans everywhere and for uh, TV viewers everywhere, and uh, for his fans and family members, uh, our deepest condolences from uh, the network. Now, uh, he's not the only person to passed away. Actor Wendell Metalbrooks has also passed away at age 36. Now, if you guys don't know who uh, Wendell Middlebrooks may be, uh, he may not have been a household name, but he was the kind of actor whose uh, smile and charisma made him an instant recognizable uh, recognizable in any role he was in, from his hilarious guest appearances on Always Sunny in Philadelphia to his slightly more serious turn in Curtis Bunfield on ABC's uh, Body of Proof. Uh, sadly, the 36-year-old actor passed away, and uh, he was report- reportedly found dead in his home in San Vern- uh, Fernando Valley. Uh, yesterday morning from unknown causes perhaps most uh, recognizable as the guy who always wanted uh, the working class to enjoy a Miller High Life guys remember those commercials the Miller High Life beer guy big fat gentleman that's him that's the the dude who passed away and and, and, uh, they don't don't know why they don't have any idea I mean the the, it says here uh, unknown causes so we're going to keep an eye on on that. That's kind of uh, that's sad, man. He's he's really is a funny dude. If you, if you guys look at the Miller High Life commercials, and I'm sure they're going to get played now on YouTube like crazy since this guy passed away. But uh, he really does have that kind of charm for those kind of commercials, and they were really popular. So I wonder what happened to this guy. I mean, unknown causes, just found dead. Something smells afoot. No. Oh come oh, on, you know what it is. Anyway, thank you, Pete. Thank you for agreeing there. Yeah, so anyway, um, man, that's some sad uh, way to start the show, I understand. But let's move on to some more positive uh, news. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and move into some scientific stuff. Check it out. Planets orbiting red dwarf may stay wet enough for life. Right? Moving on to a little positive science and astronomy. This is from our good folks at space.com. You know, NASA, never a straight answer. Let's see how much of this ends up being straight and real. But it says here, small, cold stars known as red dwarfs are the most common type of stars in the universe. And the sheer number of planets that may exist around them potentially make them vulnerable places to hunt for signals of extraterrestrial life. However, precious resources uh, into planets around these red dwarfs uh, it suggests that while they may be warm enough to host life, they might also be completely dry out with any water uh, they possess locked away permanently on ice. Now, researchers published the topic find uh, researchers po- uh, published on the topic finds uh, these planets may actually stay wet enough 
for life after all. The scientists, uh, scientists uh, detailed their findings online on November 12th in the Astronomical Journal Letters of this past year. Uh, red dwarfs, also known as M stars, are roughly one-fifth as massive as the sun itself. And it's about 50 times fainter also. These stars comprise about 70% of the stars in the cosmos. And NASA's uh, Kepler Space Observatory has discovered that at least half of these stars host rocky planets and that are, are actually one half of four times are the mass of the Earth. So they're not exactly very big suns out there. But uh, whatever stuff is around them, well, they're saying now that, yep, might actually have enough to host water. And of course, that's what NASA thinks is going to give them life. Which has always been my issue with NASA. Always looking for life exactly the way it is here on planet Earth. See, it doesn't have to necessarily work that way. And uh, we've you know gotten into this conversation before with many more intellectual folks than myself on this topic here on the uh, not only this show, but on on Skywatchers Radio, and of course, Bill and Nancy talk about this uh, kind of stuff as well every once in a while. And uh, look, life could evolve in many different ways. NASA keeps, you know, harping on, well, it has to be in the Goldilocks zone and it has to have water. That's the only way life could evolve. Well, actually, no, life could evolve in many different forms. Hell, I was watching a documentary once where they were saying life could even possibly evolve in a silicone based environment or some kind of crazy stuff like that. And I was like, why not? No. Why not? No. What do you mean, no? Look, in an endless universe, right, we have a, a universe that we think is infinite. Why would there not be an infinite amount of possibilities, including including the possibility of some kind of a silicone-based life? I'm just saying. It's possible. That's all I'm saying. No. It's possible. We'll see. Well, actually, we won't see, because here's the thing about science. We'll never get to see any of this stuff. We really won't. You know, it's just, uh, it's all nice for conversation and for blogs and stories. Sadly enough, we'll never really see what's out there. None of us actually will. In fact, we'll always be told what is out there, because... We're not the ones actually looking up in the sky. Most of us go by our daily lives and think about it. How many times do you actually, you know, look up? How many times do you just walk around and just, you know, look up to the sky for a while? Huh? I bet it doesn't happen often. We normally, uh, we, don't, we don't do that. You know, we're very robotic in our nature. We wake up, we go to work. We come home, we feed the dog. We have sex with the wife. Or the husband, you know. It's 2015, people. And um, then we go to bed, sleep, some for 10 hours, some for less, just to wake up and do it all over again. Kind of robotic, isn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, when you think about it, is it? we really are in a, a kind of a slave mentality in uh, some ways. And it's sad, really. It really, really is. Um, now, to be honest with you, one thing I love doing on this show is I love to explore the indie scene. And I love to, you know, this show is all about independent music and independent uh, artists. And, of course, our guest tonight, I.R. Harris, is an independent author. author and uh, we're going to talk to her about her books, uh, The Bound Trilogy. 
Uh, but as uh, we're going to go to break in a few minutes here, I wanted to uh, go off with a song. And uh, this is from an independent artist himself, a good, good, good friend of mine. And when I say a good friend of mine, I'm talking about this dude. I'm doing like a record with him. You guys are going to see this pretty soon. In fact, uh, there's a mixtape we're working on together, and uh, it's pretty good stuff, man. So uh, this is from Young Kano. And what's great about this song is uh, you really need to, like, listen to the dude who sings along with him on this one. You might, um, you might recognize the voice. That's all I'm saying. So this is Young Kano. Put your drinks up. From the Purple Haze Effect 2. We'll be right back after the break with author I.R. Harris. Right here on Inside the Jackal's Head. You're listening live to PSN Radio. We'll be right back, everybody. Shop that hat is showing him. You heard me? A cooker, lean in my cup, and it's sitting on the dash. Toast to my foes as I'm counting on this cash. Gotta drive slow, cause it's two miles an hour. The feeling of this lean got the sweet taste and sour. Ice in the mix, gotta sip after sip. Man, I'm too much in the hood when I lean with a dip. For my dogs locked up, we put a deuce for y'all. We gon' toast to the life if it's cool for y'all. Rest in peace, DJ Screw, man, this cup for you. Man, we sippin' on this drink, man, it's up for you. I'm Texas born, I gotta swing them things. Pop trunk wave, let them seatbelts hang. Swervin' lane to lane with my cup in my hands. Still tippin' on for foes, cause I know I'm the man. Put your drinks up for the hood, cause we made it. Riding round town, feeling high, cause we faded. Put your drinks up for the homies in jail. Trying to make it out, but they can't make bail. Put your drinks up for the bad chicks walking. Riding in the whip, having fun, little talking. Put your drinks up for the people that died. Put it up high till it's touched the sky. Got another beer. Man, this drink got me tripping. Getting high off the L. Trying to reduce my stress before I die and go to hell. I've been trying to see the light, but all I see is a fight every single night. I can't walk in my own hood without being chased and harassed. Then they wonder why we carry them things and why we blast. Let the good times roll, let the bullets fly. Fuck it, man, if I gotta die tonight. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. You're gonna see my face up in the news as a top story. Payback's a bitch from east to west. Cold number one in the streets is don't snitch and wear a vest. Cause if you're really from the hood, you won't switch. See, I was raised and trained in the hood. Ever since I was a little jit trying to do my thing in the hood. Break this and one of my crew in the hood. Put your drinks up for the hood. Yeah. We made it. You know, riding round town feeling high cause we faded. Put your drinks up for the homies in jail. Trying to make it out, but they can't make bail. Put your drinks up for the bad chicks walking. Riding in the whip, having fun, you're talking. Put your drinks up for the people that died. Put it up high till it touches the sky.
Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Time to go mobile. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com we asked this gentleman to participate in our radio taste test challenge on one table terrestrial radio on the other soflowradio.com do you have your blindfold on yes try a bite of this oh god that's awful tastes like the soiled briefs of a lonely fat man You just had a taste of all sports and corporate-backed right-wing assassin talk radio. Now give this a try. Mmm, that's gotta be SoFloRadio.com. Mmm, entertaining, funny, informative. I love it. Can I have more? SoFloRadio.com, a full plate of delicious entertainment. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. When you're ready to actually lose weight safely and steadily while being monitored by a physician, the weight loss clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson is there for you. The family medicine practice was established by her father in 1956 and continues as a medical practice that now specializes in weight reduction. Dr. Kim Jacobson joined the practice 20 years ago as both a family medicine practitioner and weight loss specialist. The weight loss clinic utilizes a combination of appetite suppression medication and vitamins to produce great results, usually 3 to 4 pounds per week for most patients. Now you can change your lifestyle while still enjoying your own food, just less of it. They offer a choice of two, three, or four-week plans. So whether you just need to lose a few pounds or a lot, the weight loss clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson can help you. They're located at 5454 Northeast 4th Avenue in Miami, just two blocks west of 54th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. Call them at 305-751-0091. They'll be happy to answer any and all of your questions. That's 305-751-0091. Get started on a beautiful new body today with Dr. Kim Jacobson and the Weight Loss Clinic. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. We lost her too soon. Gone, but not forgotten. Now, you can own an authentic piece of movie history. Elizabeth Taylor's Ashes. In a small commemorative urn. Remember, remember. 
that want you to forget me, please. For just $29.95 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you an ounce of real superstar soot. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. You can have a piece of her forever. Command performances leave me quite cold. Call today. Hurry. Quantities are limited. everybody we're back live on inside the jackal's head right here on the psn radio network and of course as you heard in the commercials also on soflo radio shout out to george rodriguez my good friend and mentor on this radio land this radio gig of independent radio that we do here on every every week and of course uh you know as a theme on this show uh, that I've, i was talking about earlier is this independent theme you know we were playing out of sights music which is an independent artist and i've played a couple of other independent artists during the night and i will always play independent artists and right now we have an independent author herself miss ir harris welcome to inside the jackal said it's so fun to have you on the show thank you so much it's such an honor to be here i'm i'm so excited and i just want to thank you for extending the invitation to have me on it is just a a wonderful opportunity and i want to thank you for your support and your encouragement for all us independent artists we need people like you you're incredibly no valuable <laughs> look I, I come directly from the uh, independent artist underground scene you know i, I do hip-hop that's what i really started off as doing 
In fact, if it wasn't for a little car accident that I was telling you about earlier yeah. before the show, um, I would have had more music out. I would actually been doing more of that. Uh, so because I couldn't do that because of my car accident, I'm doing this radio stuff now. And I always wanted to keep it more independent anyway. That's kind of always been where my heart is. And I love books. I love reading also. Reading to me is the most important thing that you as a person should implement in your children, for crying out oh, loud. Absolutely. Um, and I read it, you know, I try to read at least six, seven books a month. It's hard with work and life. Uh, but I try to go through as many books as possible. And when I, you know, come across an artist or a writer or, you know, a comic book designer or somebody who really catches my eye, I love supporting them, especially when it's good material. Let me tell you, I just got your book this week and I've gone through a couple of pages only, like I told you. I'm not going to lie and sit here and be like, uh, by the way, Miss Harris, I went through the entire book in two days because, folks, it's a big book. Okay, it's not. This is not. A, this is not a slender, slim case no. book. But it's a great book, and and it from the looks of it, it looks the artwork is nice. It's really cool. It's a trilogy, which I love. By the way, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. I love trilogies. Uh, so I want to start off with first, you know, asking you about your background and how you got started as, as a writer. And before we get to the actual trilogy, what got you inspired to become a writer? Because I always like to ask that, especially when I have you really cool authors that are in, on the independent circuit. Because yeah. it's not easy being on this circuit, on the independent no, circuit. No, it really is not. And it's, it's very kind of you to, to offer so much support and encouragement for, for somebody like myself. And, and not just me. There are, there are thousands of us out there trying to do this. Um, yep. You know, I wish I could say that I grew up um, always wanting to be a writer. I always think that's great <laughs> when I hear people say, oh, I knew from the moment I was five I was going to do such and such and, and I ended up <laughs> going exactly from point A to point B and this is exactly where I ended up and it's everything went exactly as planned. I'm like, oh, wow, that's you know fascinating. <laughs> uh, it was nothing like that for me. Uh, I am fortunate in that my mom was uh, a literature teacher and she taught literature in both Spanish and English and was a, a huge proponent of reading and writing Writing and, and you know she was also a painter and she was very creative and and so I'm sure that there was some part of her inherently inside of me but I was very geared towards doing a lot of um, political social justice types of things um, uh, anthropology uh, political science international law those types of things uh, in college I worked as an editor and a writing consultant which I loved I just never thought, I would ever do writing. I was so excited and inspired by everybody else's ability <laughs> to write. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, wow, these, you know, the, I worked with college students and I was a college student and, you know, I had papers coming to me from all different disciplines, you know, not just creative writing, but I had papers, you know, from law school, from the business school, from anthropology. And I was just very entranced with this sort of notion of collaborating on a writing process, but I never in a million years thought I was going to be able to sit down and write a creative work. You know, I definitely could bang out the research papers and, you know, the grants and all of that kind of quote-unquote scholarly stuff. Um, but it never occurred to me, hey, you might want to sit down and write a novel. <laughs> um, it was never in my wheelhouse of where I felt confident. And I never felt confident artistically either. I was always very geared towards just very academic type of path. And then I... So let's make a fantasy novel. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, it's amazing that you, you know, we were talking about your, your car accident and how that sort of geared you into what you do now. And right. for me, you know, I, I was in a PhD program um, in economic mm -hmm. anthropology. And it was 
you know, a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, Not so much at the scholarly level, but on a personal level, for me, it felt horribly, horribly wrong. Hmm. Um, I was miserable. I, you know, was... I didn't really recognize myself when I went in to pursue this quote unquote career path. Um, I was not a happy person. I was incredibly stressed and upset. I was watching, you know, people in different phases of the program crying all the time and they were sobbing and, you know, they were throwing up because they were so upset and nervous. And it was just a very strange (laughs) scenario for me to be in. And I thought to myself, hey, you know, I don't want to be one of them people. That's what you're thinking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have to look at your career. If you have this choice, I know not everybody has this choice, but you have to look at your career as you're selling hours of your life. Right. And so you really want to make sure that those hours that you're selling are something that means something to you, that are worthwhile, that you can uh, account for them in a way that's meaningful. And, you know, for for some people, it is getting through the Ph.D. and it is going through Mm -hmm. all that rigor and, and, you know, the sobbing and the crying and that that works well for them. Um, And I'm glad because we need people to do that. But for me, I... Those were hours of my life I couldn't get back. And I was thinking, well, this is not a good way for me to spend my life. (laughs) This is not what I want to do. And I I went through a really dark time because it was a path that everybody sort of already had programmed for me. Everybody Mm. said, of course, this is what you're going to do. Of course, you're going to get a PhD. Of course, you're going to work in social justice. You're going to be a humanitarian. You're going to do this, this, and this. And I thought that was the only way for me to contribute. I thought that was the only story I had worth telling. And I didn't realize that there were other avenues for me to contribute to the world that were on a much more personal level and a much more authentic level, I think. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm not. I'm very social justice oriented. That will always be a part of who I am. And and you can see that in my books. That is there in my books. Um, You know, not to cut you off real quick. uh, By the way, IR stands for Isabella, right? That's your your first name. Yes, yes. (laughs) A a beautiful name, by the way. Love that name. Uh, Can I call you Isabella? Because you know, I don't want to. I don't want to refer to you as IR the the whole show. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. Yes, I'm very lucky. I come from uh, an Italian family with a lot of um, North African heritage, and yeah, I I got lucky. (laughs) Oh, rock on. Yeah. <laughs> so Isabella, um, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this uh, previously, uh, having you on the show about how society has this uh, kind of worked into this robotic mindset where we kind of repeat the same thing in the same process over and over and over and over and over yes. and over again, kind of like we're slaves to the system. And yes. it, it, to me, the most artistic people on the planet usually wake up from that, almost like Neo in the Matrix. And yes. I think you were having that moment. You were like, wait a second, I don't want to be in that Matrix. I don't want to be part of that <laughs> system. That's kind of like you were enlightened like that, weren't you? Absolutely. And that is a great metaphor. And so funny because I actually just watched The Matrix again last night. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> movies ever made. Yes, one of the best movies ever made, and I was watching it going, that is so me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, um, and you're absolutely right. It, you know, I, But I also think that it's important to, to note that waking up from sort of that, that path, that planned path, it's, it's a very painful thing to experience, and it's not an easy step to take. In fact, I would say most people 
don't. And and I don't and I can't blame them for that because I, I know what it took for me to go through it and I can see why most people go, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm okay staying where I am. And I, I understand that so well because it is it is very terrifying to step outside that box and not really know what the world's going to look like when you do that, you know? Um, because then from that point on you have to paint your own picture. You know, you have to start building from the ground up this new entity uh, and and make sure you couch yourself in how you want that entity to behave and be and and contribute to the world. And that takes a lot. It's kind of like six million dollar man. (laughs) (laughs) They rebuilt you. Yes, better, stronger, faster, right? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And and for me, it's you know, it's an ongoing process. It's not something that all of a sudden I was like, hey, I'll just write a book. Um, I I wrote the first line of the Bound Trilogy because I wasn't sleeping at night. I left my graduate program. I was a mess. I had no idea. I wasn't going to be a PhD student anymore. I wasn't going to get the doctorate holy crap, what am I going to do? And I woke up one night and I had the first line of the Bound Trilogy in my head and I just thought, let's just write this down and see what happens. (laughs) And, you know, lo and behold, uh, it's only been two years since we've um, actually gotten sort of in the indie movement and Mm -hmm. um, we've got six books under our belt and who would have thought? (laughs) You know, Yeah, it's a little crazy. That is a lot of books in two years. Oh, wow! And yeah. I mean, what got you, uh, you know, going into the uh, the, uh, the indie movement? Like, really, what pushed you towards uh, getting this towards you know the more independent scene instead of trying to go more mainstream with it? Yeah, I had an amazing friend, um, uh, my gym buddy, um, my, an awesome personal trainer. We were personal trainers together, and uh-huh. she, um, we would go to the gym every day, and I would bring her the manuscript of what I was working on, and you know, she turned to me one day. She finished Bound, and she turned to me one day, and she said, "You know." they do these self-publishing things, you should really look into it. And I had never really even thought about that. I thought, what, how in the world could I possibly even manage to do this? And right. uh, I had another friend who's a playwright, and he was self-publishing at the time, and I kind of contacted him, and he said, oh, no, you can totally do this. You know, you just have to, you have to be really ambitious. You have to be really focused in order to get, you know, because you're doing everything yourself. You're doing the artwork right. yourself. You're, you're yep. doing the editing yourself. You're doing the whole production by yourself on a you're the team little, you're, you're, yeah. you're the main team yeah yeah you're the team and you know you're with no money <laughs> <laughs> yeah sad that, that's so sad but true yeah, yeah. Um, and so i was thinking good god um this could be really <laughs> crazy but you know what i thought you know if i'm gonna do this i'm just gonna go for it because as far as i know i've got i'm only here once and i want actually want to be really excited about what experiences I've created for myself. I didn't want to be that person who finishes their life with sort of the echoes of what could, what have, could been. have been. Yeah, yep, what exactly. Could have done because those mm-hmm. die with you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't take th- those don't those don't go anywhere. When you're dead, all of those kind of philosophies about what you want to do and who you want to be and what you should have done, they evaporate in the minute you're gone. And so I didn't want those to be it for me. I didn't want those to finish with me. I wanted to actually have some substance, some tangibility to me 
you know, making a go of this. Me kind you wanted, of. You wanted to make a mark in life, leave, leave your I mark did. behind. I really yeah. did. And I felt, you know, I have a very personal story, and, and most of my readers, if, if they're listening and, and fans, know that I have always been very authentic and very upfront about my personal story. And I, and I think for me, I use the writing and I use the books as a platform to, I hope, offer some encouragement and hope to other people who have gone through some of the things that I've gone through. I'm never so arrogant as to be able to speak for everybody's experiences. I would never do that. But I am incredibly upfront about who I am and how I grew up and how I came to be who I am and why those things are reflected in my books, why I don't shy away from them. And, you know, if at the very least... When you have those people that come up to you and they say, thank you for reminding me that I can get through something, um, that that makes it all worth it. You know, that's why I get to do what I get to do. That's awesome. Now, the books the books in question, of course, is Bound. That's the first book. Uh, Fallen is uh, the second. And Awakening is the third book, right? Yes. yes. In the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, now, there's three other books, though. Tell us the, the names of those. Right. So I'm working on an ongoing series, the the Legion series, which is the one that everybody's kind of reading now. I have a I have a great I have a great little cult following of fans who I absolutely Yes you do. <laughs> I just love them because they're they're so um, encouraging, and uh, when I just you know they follow all my crazy writing mishaps. And uh, the Legion was the next release after Bound, and you know not everybody who likes Bound likes Legion, and vice versa. And, and I think that's good actually because it means that you know I'm not putting out you know the same work over and over again. You certainly right. don't want to do that. Um, but Legion is an ongoing series, so that has eight books, and we just oh, okay. Yeah, we just released book um, three, which was our biggest book to date. I think it was like I think it weighed in at like seven hundred and fifty pages. Or oh something. my goodness! Are right, you gonna give me some? T- you gotta give me some time on that one. I'll buy it, but you gotta give me a little yeah, time on it. Crazy! I almost felt bad. Ooh. I was like, oh god, guys, I'm so sorry. Um, I mean, Bound is clocking in at what four hundred and fourteen pages or something like that. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a lot of pages. <laughs> yeah, apparently I have a lot to say, Angel. I don't. Know. I no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And, and this is a trilogy, and then there's more to come. Yes, they're come. They're, they're, that's an ongoing series, and then we're, we're getting ready to release a, a, a brand new series as well, coming hopefully summer 2015. I know people are really excited about about that as well. So, um, yeah, we've got we've, we're trying to get everything going. <laughs> now, is any of this stuff uh, you know in your mind uh, something that you might want to look into, uh, perhaps getting made into movies or, or anything like that, <gasps> um, or is that a possibility yeah, at all for I any mean, other, other material? How cool! I per- well, personally, I'm biased, obviously, and I'm there's no shame. And admitting it, right, right. I think Bound would make a great movie. <laughs> I mean, I could see you could release one a year, you know, and because mm-hmm. it's a trilogy, so it's already kind of in that movie scape, you know, the way that movies could be made. Um, right, I right. think Bound would make a great, um, a great movie. I actually wrote Legion. Uh, kind of in the way I write Legion kind of in the way you would watch a television series so each book is sort of you know season one season two season three and Uh, each chapter uh, is kind of like an episode that you would see in that season and so that's how Legion that's how I kind of have to keep Legion straight because it's got 50 some odd characters that you're following and it's so you're already thinking about possibility turning uh, turning this stuff maybe into a wouldn't that be great (laughs) (laughs) you know if I'm 90 when that happens, I will be thinking there. ahead. Yeah, thinking ahead. <laughs> I'll be thrilled. Anything, anything is possible. Anything is yeah. uh, possible in life. And, and you know, it's funny because um, 
as I was saying earlier about uh, independ- the independent um, you know market, uh, it really does seem that a lot of the best work is coming from the independent scene as opposed to some of the mainstream stuff. And just from looking at the artwork and reading you know, the forward and stuff on the book and, and you know seeing the website and what all the books are about, it's a lot more interesting than some of the mainstream stuff I've seen out there. Yeah. Well, they, that's I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of that from the fans also, <laughs> I'm sure, right? I, that's very kind of you to say. And, I, and I, for me... Um, you know, my support for the indie community is really focused around the fact that I, from on a personal level, again, I don't speak for any other artist out there. So, you know, I don't. Just I don't, yourself. Right? Yeah, just for me. I speak just for me and my personal philosophy. Um, I have a goal to sort of change the standard template that we, that consumers get that that's available in the marketplace. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a bad template. But it could use some diversification, you know. Um, and I think one of the best things that independent authors and artists can do is that we offer a kind of a, a freeing atmosphere and choice of our creative vision. It is not a standard template because I don't have a publisher telling me, hey, this is what's really on trend and you need to write. There needs to be a fourth book in the Bound Trilogy because that's going to make you a lot of money. There is no fourth book in the Bound Trilogy. And if I tried to write a fourth book in the Bound Trilogy, (laughs) it would suck. You know, it would be really bad. It wouldn't Um, be a trilogy. It wouldn't be a trilogy. (laughs) I mean, the quality of writing would just go down because there's pressure. There is an extreme amount of pressure. Um, I, I also understand very well that money does help. And when publishers offer artists money for what they do, you know, they should take it. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I totally understand. Um, but for me right now at, at the point that I'm in, in my quote unquote career, um, I am trying to do everything I can to promote this idea that there are many, many more voices of talent and creative vision that have wonderful stories on offer in the marketplace that don't get attention because Random House isn't knocking on their door telling them that they're worth something or Dark Horse Comics isn't coming saying, hey, you're a really great artist. We want to pay you such and such. Um, (laughs) That does not mean that somebody is not successful or not talented. And so for me, I take every moment I can to try and promote and collaborate those amazing independent artists that encourage me and that I can surround myself with on a daily basis because that's breaking the template. It's breaking the mold. It um, is, it is, yeah. Not, not only that, I mean, look, look at it this way also. Um, you know, technology also helps out a great deal. I mean, independent artists couldn't, couldn't do what they do now 25, 30 years ago. Absolutely right. Um, I mean, that's the internet is completely like, leveling the playing field. <laughs> yes. Yes, I think without, you know, even something as as simple really now as social media, um, that yep. is something that can help independent artists not only get their work out there, but I think sometimes even more importantly is make those connections with other artists, right. you know, and, and fans who really like that that awareness that, Hey, I can talk to this author. I can, I can see their progress. I'm not getting sort of this, this, um, it's a highly produced piece of work, right? Which also comes along with a highly produced persona sometimes. And, you know, I know one of the best things that I get to do is go to these cons and stand at my table and hug everybody that comes up to my booth. (laughs) You know, Um, I get to hug everybody. I get to take pictures with people because they're awesome. And for some bizarre reason, they want to take pictures with me. And I mean, what kind of crazy, 
because you're awesome, well, Isabella. Yeah, you know, that's just—it's <laughs> a brilliant thing, and I'm so lucky because I get to hear, you know, people's stories, even if they don't buy my work. The people that come to the table have something really amazing to say, and they have amazing lives that they've led, and they have their own stories to tell. And so for me, I get that's the takeaway. I get to come away with that and process all of that, and some of it ends up in the books, you know? (laughs) You just never know. But that's a beautiful exchange for me that I don't think a lot of these big-time people get to have, you know, once they make it. (laughs) No, sure. Look, you could actually use... Uh, some big companies like Marvel and DC, for example, moving a little bit into the comic book realm. Uh, you know, they, they've rebooted their their lineup over and over again over the last few years. Uh, why? Because it's stale. It's boring. It's the same yeah. thing over and over and over again. And that's what I'm talking about when I say there's a lack of creativity in the mainstream, even it, it, in those areas for comic books, uh, yes. for movies, for you know mainstream books. Yeah. And that's why the independent scene, with the way technology has moved forward, uh, it's amazing that now we actually could see the talent where it really lies and it's not in these big companies it's in the independent artists yeah and i think you know i think you that you make a really good point is that you're continuously i think consumers are continuously getting inundated with the same thing it's just colored a little differently right yeah Yeah, that's what i love what you're doing because you're doing a trilogy then you do original stuff after that and you continuously do something different and I think the, the great thing about being part of the indie movement is that you do get to make these connections with people. I mean, I get to work, you know, the guy who does the mm-hmm. cover art for Legion is an indie artist. Um, Clint Harden, he's, he's in my community. He, he yeah. lives really close to me. And, you know, he's, he's a visual artist. He has completely different talent realm than I do. He's way more talented than I am. But I get to collaborate with him on a vision for, you know, my work. And, it, and the great thing is that it's not just my vision. You know, it's his interpretation, which means that the audience gets sort of two realms of artistic vision. They get my storytelling and Clint's visual of of what that storytelling is. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's rare for artists, for writers and visual artists to collaborate so closely because a lot of times, you know, writers have a very, we can be a little bit OCD (laughs) about how we are. Still look, you know, um, which is completely understandable. And so it, it's hard to do that. But I am very fortunate that I get to, to work with amazing artists, you know, for all of my books who are able to take my vision and say, yeah, what if we twisted it a little bit this way, you know, would this work for you? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic because that's not where my wheelhouse is. You know, I mean, I do some of my own mixed media art and textiles and stuff, but I, I can't paint to save my life. I can't, you know, draw. Um, and so it's really great to sit across the table with these amazing creative minds and have them talk to me about my work and say, hey, this is my interpretation. What do you think about this? That's a, that's a beautiful interaction to have. It really is. And, and it's amazing uh, that you mentioned that because it, a lot of people don't understand how uh, closely the writers have to work with the, the actual graphic designers that create the right. visuals of the books. Uh, and especially if you're not a person who knows how to create artwork yourself. Uh, right. or, or you know you're not an artist that in that way uh, you know and doing the show here I've met a lot of graphic designers who are famous just for drawing in comics yes. and not writing the actual storylines and the storyline writers are the ones who get all the credit uh, <laughs> one of my heroes growing up as a, as a comic book artist just for the, his work uh, is Mark McKenna who I actually got oh, to meet yeah. Yeah. and I interviewed him several times Mark McKenna is an um, amazing person oh yeah uh, just a wonderful wonderful person to talk to and uh, you know I grew up 
like literally loving his work and uh, to see how nice of a person he was. And you're right, you know, the way social media has connected everybody. I was able to connect with one of my childhood idols, you know, in, in the comic book realm. Yeah. And this is a guy who's done uh, the big DC, the, the big ones, right. DC, Marvel. Oh, yeah. He was doing, he was working on the Star Wars line. Uh, before uh, Marvel gained the uh, rights back to Star Wars. So, I mean, he works on the big, big stuff. And it, it's amazing how uh, those kind of artists don't get really the credit they deserve. But yeah. it really does have a marriage with artists like yourself, the writers. Yeah, and I think that marriage is, is key. And, and I think that it's important for, you know, writers to... I think sometimes people shy away from sort of collaboration, uh, artistic collaboration, because I think they they feel that there's not going to be a meeting point sometimes, mm. you know, that people are going to have to compromise too much <laughs> on, on the vision they have. But I think it's really important for people to expand their sort of interpersonal communication yeah. <laughs> skills, you know, a little bit and realize that if you get the right pairing, and, and it may take a little bit, you know, that and that's okay. But if you get the right pairing, you know, you become a team. And that's kind of how I look at everybody who is generous and kind enough to work with me. It's not they work for me because that's bizarre. They work with <laughs> me uh, for sure. I wouldn't have, I mean, the Legion wouldn't be what it is without Clint's artistic vision. You know, for him, for me to sit down and talk to him about the emotional impact that I, you know, that the book has, he needs to be able to convey that in, in pictures in some ways and, and with the cover. And, you know, at, that's very important to me. And to be able to expand yourself and hear his insights and then kind of take those back and process those, it's, it's all good for the creative process. You know, it doesn't make you less of a writer. I think, if anything, it strengthens that skill set. Yeah, no kidding. I completely agree with yeah. you. Uh, you know, we're going to go to break here in, a, in about a minute. When we come back, uh, we're going to have open lines, by the way, if anybody doesn't want to call in. Uh, 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. If you have any questions uh, for our lovely guest, please ask. Uh, keep it nice and clean and on topic. Uh, also, but I wanted, before I go to break, I want to leave you with this little tease, and I wanted to ask you, um, if it wasn't for writing, what else do you see yourself doing in life? Um, or, or is this like the only thing you saw yourself ever doing in life uh, when you realized that this is what you really wanted to do? Um, I mean, was there any any other hidden dreams or passions or anything you had? Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew there was. Yeah. <laughs> Just stick around. We're going to be right back here on Inside the Jackal's Head with that answer and more. <laughs> Just a pair of candy-coated lips So slick and steep that I started to sink and slip So smooth a suicide can be a pleasant trip This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio I'm also an author, engineer and researcher Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science philosophy, and truth-orientated discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8pm Saturdays Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net jameswagger.com for yours truly and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth.
you're ready to actually lose weight safely and steadily while being monitored by a physician, the weight loss clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson is there for you. The family medicine practice was established by her father in 1956 and continues as a medical practice that now specializes in weight reduction. Dr. Kim Jacobson joined the practice 20 years ago as both a family medicine practitioner and weight loss specialist. The weight loss clinic utilizes a combination of appetite suppression medication and vitamins to produce great results, usually three to four pounds per week for most patients. Now you can change your lifestyle while still enjoying your own food, just less of it. They offer a choice of two, three, or four-week plans. So whether you just need to lose a few pounds or a lot, the weight loss clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson can help you. They're located at 5454 Northeast 4th Avenue in Miami, just two blocks west of 54th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. Call them at 305-751-0091. They'll be happy to answer any and all of your questions. That's 305-751-0091. Get started on a beautiful new body today with Dr. Kim Jacobson and the Weight Loss Clinic. Fruit, strawberry, patch, smoothie, cup. Get your hands off me! Huh? I said don't touch me! I shouldn't have went to that party last night. Now I'm seeing talking fruit. You're not dreaming, Bubba. And you're not putting me in that blender. But you're just a fruit. <laughs> Who are you calling a fruit? You are. You're, you're a delicious passion fruit. Why, sure I'm passionate. How would you like to be blended, huh? I got right, you know. Customers waiting. You gotta go. Yeah, but wait, you can poop. At Power Smoothie in Aventura, we show fruit no mercy. Always fresh, always delicious. To make the best smoothies and wraps on earth, try our new cilantro lime delicious wrap or our hot chipotle chicken. Power Smoothie in Aventura, located just north of the Aventura Mall in the Promenade Shops. Or call 305-792-5338. Open seven days a week. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Fever. It's the candy bar that's fun to try. It's half smooth white milk chocolate, and the other half is deep dark chocolate. Wow, it's enormous. How about cream filling? That too. Put it in your mouth. 
Yes. For whichever side you crave, pick up a zebra bar and let the chocolate melt in your mouth. There's a war going on in the streets. It's the War on Thirst. Sprunk is winning the War on Thirst with the new grenade-shaped cans. Hey, yo, pull the pin and blow your thirst right off in that brand new taste explosion. Boom! Now that's the sound of refreshment. Sprunk, go AWOL from the Cola Wars with an energizing mix of lemon, lime, ten times the caffeine and sugar. Plus, mercury and benzene for that extra pop. Yo, it'll bring the temperature right up and the bubble. Other beverages use carbon dioxide. But use ether to kick up that phase. Thanks to all that mercury, you won't remember anything that tasted so good. Now pick up a Sprunk Thermal Nuclear six-pack. Kill thirst and liven up the party. Toss your friends with Sprunk in the grenade-shaped cannon into the Sprunk sweepstakes where you can win a real case of grenades. Sprunk, blow your thirst right off in that brand new taste explosion. Go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go, 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 go. Go Ninja, go Ninja. to your mother. Kraft Mac and Cheese Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shapes. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go! You know you love it. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic, truth is truth. All right, everybody, we're back on Inside the Jackal's Head right here on PSN Radio. And, of course, shout-outs to SoFlow Radio for carrying our stream every single week, Tuesday night, back-to-back, of course, with Zod Ryder. Shout-outs to him again. A great show Zod Ryder had on. And if you guys want to get the podcast, check out his podcast on ZodRider.com. You can check out the podcast live every day, on, or every week, I should say, on PSN Radio. But you can get downloads for free. Right on his website. Also, you can get the download for this show on thejackalshead.com. As soon as the show is over, it'll be posted right on there. You'll be able to download it and listen in if you missed it live. But we are back now, and if you guys want to call in, 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. Again, we're live with the great author of a really big book, but a really cool-looking <laughs> trilogy. It starts off with Bound, and I'm talking about I.R. Harris, Isabel Harris herself. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Now, before we went on break, I did leave you with a little bit of, of a tease question because I wanted to, you know, I always like to tease the, you know, the guest sure. uh, before I go on break. And I wanted, I wanted to think about the question for a little bit because everybody who does, uh, you know, something for a living or, or life or uh, has a, a actual career like you, you're an author, uh, or for people who are in the movie business, they always had that one passion. 
yeah. in the background that they always wanted to explore. For example, I do hip-hop music. That's something that I always love doing. But my passion is making movies and directing films. That's what I want to do. That's my thing. Uh, what's your other passion besides writing books? What else would you have been in life if not for this? Well, when I grew up, my big thing was I wanted to be a CIA field agent. <laughs> that is unexpected and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mom actually even, um, she would take me out to some of the, um, we had these little obstacle courses in the parks uh, close to our house. And she would take me out there when I was younger and I would do all of the obstacle courses. And, um, you know, she even got me the downloaded um, application that you have to fill out, you know, sort of what, what the preliminary stuff looks like. <laughs> to be a C- to even work with the CIA, but um, I really wanted to be a field agent, um, I, and I I still have tendencies to want to want to go in that direction. <laughs> um, I'm a huge huge fan of the show Alias. Um, I don't know if other people have seen it, but it's yep. a, it's an old school show. Uh, we'll put old school in quotation marks, but um, and it's you know obviously it's a little overhyped in terms of what the CIA agents do, but um, I, I'm a very physical person in terms of, of doing things and so I I just loved that notion uh, plus I'm also into the whole spy stuff I have a fascination with the whole KGB Cold War stuff <laughs> may I may I take a, a guess here uh, did yeah. you uh, at any point were you at any point a fan of the X-Files oh yeah who oh god yeah <laughs> see what I'm saying yeah <laughs> Exactly. Now you're now you're feeling it. <laughs> I understand now. Bound CIA X Files, of course. Yes, it's all making sense. Um, yeah, I just really like that whole notion of. Um, I think there's a lot of history. There's politics. There's mm-hmm. you know, but I also love the notion of kind of being in that high adrenaline situation. There's there's I have a I have a part of me that likes that kind of stuff. I um. I, I took up MMA for a while a few years ago, and I and I just like loved doing that. <laughs> and I think it's it's great, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think there's a part of my persona that that needs to be indulged in those types of things. Hey, when you retire from writing books, you can join the MMA circuit, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have Plan Bs. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's always always a good thing. Um, I I would have loved to have been a CIA field agent. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been great. I think I would have kicked ass, too. That would have been really cool. You know, it, it's funny because I have uh, my niece's mother. She's uh, an FBI agent. Oh, really? Which is really cool. And I always actually wanted to, not, and not so much as a, as a passion or a dream, but you know, after watching X-Files for so long, I was like, yeah. you know, being an FBI would be pretty damn cool. What? Especially if they know anything about aliens or any crazy stuff what? that goes on. I mean, just get, imagine all the stuff, all the secrets and, and accumulative knowledge you would actually gain <laughs> from being in any one of those positions. And I, you know, I'm fascinated by that. Plus, I just like, you know, I like being able to wear a bunch of costumes and, and you know, do the whole repelling thing off the side of a building. How awesome would that, that be? That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is awesome. Yeah. Even though, you know, the reality is it's a, it's a job at a desk with a oh, yeah. <laughs> very uncomfortable uh, attire, you know, exactly. you got to wear a tie. At all, I'm sure, and it's high stress. And uh, yeah, no, I'm a lot just, of stress. 
I'm taking the fantastic. I'm definitely cherry picking. I'm like, no, if I could be Sydney Bristow, then yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But of course, you're right. It's nothing like that. Um, so instead, I would love to be a marine biologist, but I am afraid of whales. So that, yeah, that kind of kills it right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an issue for me. I could do the dolphins. I could work with dolphins, but any, any contact with whales would probably scare the hell out of me. So that I have to, I have to, you know, I waver back and forth on that. <laughs> you know, I can, I can understand the whales are pretty scary. I've actually uh, seen whales up close at, uh, <laughs> living here in Florida, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. Right. Yes. Uh, in SeaWorld and what and and they're pretty scary creatures. Anything that large is scary right. to see in person. Yeah, I have an issue with animals that large. Yeah, it's too big and I and I yeah. love them and I want them to be taken care of obviously, but um yeah, I'm just terrified. From afar. From <laughs> yeah, afar. I'm terrified of them. Take but care of them from afar. Dolphins, I would be happy working with dolphins. They're great. <laughs> yeah, but CIA field agent first and then if they do not choose me for that, um we'll have to Marine go to the sea. <laughs> there you go. I'm so glad you're sticking to Plan A, which is writing books, because uh, you're, you. you're doing really well at that. You're doing really, Thank really you. well. <laughs> now, since you've been writing the books, um, you know, how many, uh, I, guess, I guess you could say circuits, or how many uh, conventions have you gone to since you right. started writing? How many in total? Are, are you like on a, a regular tour on these things? Because, I mean, there's a lot of conventions for especially There are authors, a like lot yourself. of conventions. And oddly... A ton. And- yeah, this is only our, we're getting ready to start our, um, uh, gosh, our second year, third year on the Comic-Con circuit. So we haven't been oh, doing this. Oh, those are awesome. Yeah, we haven't been doing this very long. And I started in book festivals. Um, so we got our start, mm. we got sort of our big break at the Baltimore Book Festival um, back in 2012 when we first published Bound. And we sold out. And it was so crazy that I just had no idea <laughs> that anybody would ever want to read anything <laughs> by me. I just, it was such a weird experience. It's completely surreal. Um, and I took my community. I'm so lucky. I live in an amazing community here in Western North Carolina. And my community comic book shop, um, I, have to, I have to give them a shout-out, Comic Envy, um, we're, we're so amazing. They put on the Asheville Comic Expo, and they gave us a slot as an artist. Cool. And that started everything for us on the Comic-Con circuit. And our Comic-Con fans are my biggest fan base, and they are some of the most incredibly supportive yes. people mm-hmm. I have ever come in contact with. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, you know, we, we're starting our tour here um, actually in two weeks, uh, a little less than two weeks. We, we're, we, we kick it off because we can't do this full time. It takes a lot. Otherwise, no books would get written. So yeah. um, I, have to, <laughs> I have to kind of plot them out so that I can actually get books done. But we're getting ready to start our – we start off our tour in South Carolina for the South Carolina Comic-Con. Um, and that's March 21st and 22nd. And from there, we are uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina up until um, the end of September and October. So we have quite a few on the itinerary this time around. Very and hopefully cool. more books coming, um, at least yeah. one more book, or at least two more books maybe if we can push it. Um, getting two books out a year is a little crazy, but, um, you know, I'm crazy, so we'll, we'll try it. Here, here's <laughs> an idea. Have you thought, of, since you're doing, you know, the Comic-Cons and stuff, have you thought of maybe turning Bound or some of these into, you know, graphic novels or... Comic books, you know, yes. like a comic book series of Bound. Yeah, I can you draw? <laughs> I can get you artists. I really can. can get me art. If there is an artist out there who would love to help me, um, 
That is actually a dream of mine. I have a dream to make um, at least Bound or Legion. I don't know which one would work best for graphic novel or a comic book. But I would love to have something in a graphic novel form. I just, I have no idea how to make that happen. I, You know, I'm not familiar enough with the ins and outs of the artistic side of that. How you get sort of, how you would convert, say, a 700-page book into a graphic novel. But man, if somebody can make that happen, I would love that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to pass your work along to uh, Mr. Mark McKenna, CEO, what he has to say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you're Mark McKenna link up on a project. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that would legend. be legend. Dream yeah, come legend. true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We're aiming high. We, we can yeah. aim. Yeah. I, look, I aim for the sky, sister. Yes, right? I, I aim for the sky. <laughs> As the notorious B.I.G. said, think big. <laughs> Right. Wait, was that Scarface? One of the two. Yeah, said no, that. I, I don't know. That's definitely not Scarface. <laughs> yeah, no, the other Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a good one. <laughs> yes, indeed. Actually, uh, we do have a caller who is joining us. Uh, 864, you're live on Inside the Jackal's Head with Isabella. Hi, this is uh, this is Sherry. I'm a fan of hers. I actually met her at the uh, uh, Greenville Comic Con last year. <laughs> oh, very cool. Welcome. Hi, Sherry. Uh, <laughs> I I'm, I love your art. I I don't know why you say you you don't you can't draw. <laughs> You're so kind. I, Sherry is one of the most encouraging people um, I've had the opportunity to meet. And without her, I think I probably would throw most of my stuff in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> did you even name? Did you even name that that um, multimedia artwork that you did? I did because I took it from you. You said she kind of looks like she's wandering, and yeah. so I made it. I so I called the series the Wandering Girl series. Oh, yeah, because I thought it was just a beautiful. Um, what you took from that was. beautiful beautiful and it wasn't anything that you know I kind of looked at it as nothing and um, just to have you say that I just thought it was a, a, a beautiful takeaway from what my stupid little piece of work <laughs> that I did <laughs> and so I was so grateful to you for that so I think it's a nice way to, to, to have, the, have the three girls set up like that See and I, I think that's what's great about indie art in general mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not aiming it towards mainstream you're not forcing a theme on people. Right. You're putting what what's in your mind down on paper, presenting right. it for the viewer to say, I can relate to this in this point in my life. Absolutely. Right. Or yeah. or from a from something in my past that yeah. you knew nothing about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it, you know, you're able to find some of yourself as the viewer in somebody else's art. Yeah. And I, I mean, and for me, yeah, that's the most, I think that's, I think you put that beautifully. Um, and that really sums up why I love what I do is, is that reason right there is that once it's out there, it's, there is no, I'm not under any pressure to, to contrive a story or a piece of art. It's there. And it's my hope that, that people look at it or read the book or look at what I create and, they feel something from it. It may not be something that I've necessarily gone through or can relate to, but it's theirs now. You know, it belongs to yeah. them. And exactly. that, that makes perfect sense to me, and, and I don't think there's any better reason to, to offer what we offer creatively than that. I mean, I, I think that's... That's a, a great thing about about books in general. I mean, the fact that you could read a book and escape into the book and you know, really just uh, have the whole thing play out in your mind as you're reading along. 
there, there's that escapism to to books, and that I think that's one of the main reasons why it would never go away. Uh, and that's why oh, that's what I love about the independent scene is uh, we're getting to see creative outlets open up now to uh, more and more people that really wouldn't have that outlet available before. But here's the thing: again, like I said earlier, you're seeing better material, better work yeah. because it's the creativeness that is out there. Uh, there was there, you know, years ago when we had when we had other big companies come up. I really hope we never get to the point that corporations run everything. <laughs> right. and I'm talking about Look. the fact that they kill the independent scene altogether, and it's just corporate books or corporate this. Or corporate that and it's all fed through the system i really hope we never get to that because that's when all all creativity will die completely on the planet yeah but I, the fact is the people will never let that happen right I they agree. will yep. never let that happen yeah it, it, I, everybody has a voice and they want to be heard and they will be heard whether it's in their own small community or if it's on the internet and people hear you know read their stuff or, or view their stuff all over the world people will be heard yeah, I completely agree. And I and I think it's, you know, for me, I take my role as an artist, you know, very, very seriously in terms of, you know, what I put out there to, to the public and what I stand for as an artist. You know, and again, I, I don't speak for other artists and they can have their own mission and their own, you know, understanding of who they are. And, and that's wonderful. But for me, it's to present an authentic story and not just writing the book, but me as a person, you know, um, people who talk to me and, and who have the opportunity to converse with me, whether it's through the art or through the books, understand very well that there's nothing contrived there. Um, it, it is very honest in terms of, of who I am. I mean, Sherry knows, my God, I, I post on Facebook how crappy my stuff looks on most days. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Like, why am I doing this? Um, but you know what? It's there because I know I'm not alone. I know there are thousands of other artistic and creative people out there who possibly right. would take a look at my stuff and go, okay, she doesn't mind laughing at herself. She doesn't mind saying that this is really bad work but we're going to put it out there anyway um and everybody and I, has a voice but not everybody's found it exactly and and that's yep. my whole thing is that i think me as an artist i i feel like i have a duty to make sure people know that they have just as much inspiration and creative vision as they may think i have <laughs> you know <laughs> they should see me on most days um but <laughs> you know it's my it's it's imperative for me to make sure people know that they have their story everybody has at least one story inside them that's worth telling and for me i just want to make sure people realize that that's valuable and it means something and there's somebody else in the world who could benefit from hearing it absolutely yeah absolutely. thank you sherry i'm so glad you call are you coming to the greenville comic-con Oh, yes, absolutely. It's our, actually our family thing. Last year was the first year we ever went. And uh, this year, this year I had to look on the guest list. I saw you were going. I said, oh, God, honey, we got to go again this year. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a true fan. That's a true, true well, fan. Last year I went because Lou Ferrigno was there, and he was my childhood hero. Yes. So I had my picture taken with him, and then I met you, and you were so inspiring, just face-to-face -face having a conversation that I wanted to read your book. So I bought the first book in the Bound series. So I told my husband, I said, well, when we go this year, I'm getting the other two books. <laughs> well, we're, we've got them for you. So they are yours. And I can't wait. So I get to give you a hug in person again. So I'm very excited. I know. I know. I haven't seen you for a year. I know. That's awesome. So, but I'm, I'm glad you did the radio show, too. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for calling. You're awesome. Well, I've been listening. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. And this is also the first time I've actually heard your show, and oh. you sound great. Oh, thank you. Hope you like the show. 
I do. Thank you very much. No, thank you for calling and appreciate it. Appreciate that. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> now, that's a great fan. See, to have like I am that's so delicious. lucky. That's what I'm talking about. I'm I'm incredibly lucky. Not everybody gets that. And that's yeah. uh, and I'm I'm so fortunate. And I have to I remember things like that when I get up in the morning and I realize I have to rewrite 700 pages of a book. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I should have been a banker. What is up with this? <laughs> they make a living and then I have to do all this writing. Thank now, when you're, when you're going through one of these books on, on a serious level, on a serious tip here, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're going through a book that's 400 pages, in your mind when you're writing this book, do you know already it's going to be 400 pages when you're going into it? Or, or are you thinking, oh, it's going to be about 200 pages, and then you're 280 pages in and you're like, I'm not even halfway done. Oh, my God, it's going to be a yeah. lot longer. Like, when does it hit you? Right. (laughs) Um, By the end. (laughs) Ah. And I'm like, man, that took a really long time. (laughs) Um, No, I have no idea. It's it's probably, you know, I'm sure if there's any English professor out there, they would probably take a red pen to to how I write. But um, I tend to go with the Tolkien method a a lot, which is Mm. I have no idea which way, where the story is going to go. I have a general idea sometimes of... The discussion. My books are very dialogue heavy. They're very character focused, um, and so I, you know, I, I, they're very exposition heavy as well. And so, you know, it takes as long as it takes. Now, that's the first pass at it, right? So it's sort of right. like as a director, it's kind of like it's the director's cut, right? It's it's the book right. you want to release if you could release nine thousand pages, you know. Although right. I guess right. George R. R. Martin does do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good for him. Um, but I, you know, that doesn't work great for me. I mean, I worked as an editor, and so I, I kind of know, okay. And I also know my writing. I can be a little wordy sometimes. Um, and so for me, I, I kind of do the director's cut. It's my first pass. It's the the book that I would release if, you know, I could release 10,000 pages. Um, and so it's as long as it needs to be to tell the story. And then I can go back through and start sort of trimming the fat, so to speak. You know, that becomes the theme theatrical version <laughs> of the book, the one that's going to be released. Um, but so I on, on Bound, for example, we got 414 pages, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 400 pages. Yeah. Uh, how much was it before you trimmed the fat on this one? That one, I think that was, I think that was around 500 some odd. I think I went about, I think I t- took off about 150 pages. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of um, stuff that I realized I didn't want to give away right away. I, you know, people, people get annoyed sometimes with my writing because I, I write series of books. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not, you know, something, let's take the Legion, for example, which is, which is eight books. You're not going to get all of 80s backstory in book one. You're also right. not going to get it in book two and probably not going to get it all in book three either. Um, I don't put everything out front. That's just not my style of writing. It's not what I do. Um, and I know some people really like that. They like to kind of know everything about the character firsthand, and I, I totally understand that. But for me, it it takes a series. <laughs> no, I completely agree, and, and I love that, actually. I love that approach because, uh, to be honest, I mean, this is what made The Empire Strikes Back such a great movie, yeah. right? Yes. When we got that reveal, I am your father. We, yes. Nobody saw that coming, you know what I mean? Yes. He's been kissing his sister. We didn't see that coming. <laughs> So, I mean, the, the, keep it, you know, the, keep it uh, nice and tight on the first one and just keep telling the, the, the bigger story as you go along. But don't give it all away. I love that approach. Oh, yeah, and that that's me. And, and you know, I'm kind of a twisty, turny kind of writer, too. Um, I like 
for people to be, you know, my, my stuff is more emotional chess match um, mm-hmm. type of writing because I, I like that. That's sort of how, I mean, that's kind of how I think about things. Um, it plays a lot on how I grew up too. And so um, I, I write from that perspective. You've trimmed a hundred and something yeah. pages from the book. <laughs> that is yeah. bizarre because look, I actually started, and this is funny uh, that I want to get into this uh, for a second. Uh, I started writing uh, a book uh, for a script idea that I had. And I, I was like, well, let me write a book first for the script. So I started writing the book version because I understand, you know, the books and scripts are completely different animals. Right, right. You have to, and it's a good idea to have the book so you could get the script and really like get the exact details you want to make into the script. So I started, you know, r- writing this book and about, I would say 10 pages in, I gave up. <laughs> I, I was, I, I was like, I, it was, a, it was a dark and stormy night. That's how I began. Oh. <laughs> And then I froze. I had complete writer's block. I could not continue after 10 pages. So when I hear somebody tell me that they trimmed 150-something pages from their book, I am – my mind is just blown by that. It really is. So, no, don't give up. <laughs> you got to bust through the writer's block. No, I completely understand that. Um, I actually had a, a revelation the other day that I had actually written nine books for the Legion series and – I went back and, and reread um, book eight and realized it was just really not where I wanted it to be. And I, mm. it was about 750 pages. Wow. And I realized I was going to have to scrap the whole thing and start all over again. <laughs> um, and Hold on. You were 700. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to be 700. How many pages did you write actually uh, before you scrapped it? How many were, were there? There are 750 pages, so it was a. Complete- you wrote and you scrapped 700 yeah, pages. Yeah, oh my com- god! It's a, complete, it's a complete book. It was pretty much done. It had an ending and everything, and it was going to be leading into book nine. Um, oh my And I god. realized, oh, this is just you know, it felt really contrived to me, and I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to write it, and I just didn't like it, and so I was like, hey. Um, we've got to we've got to do something different here. Uh, this is this is not going to be good. So I have to, so I'm starting all over. Uh, I'm starting all over on book eight of Legion. And uh, you know what are you going to do? <laughs> You're the author. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, yeah, exactly. And you know, my whole thing is it's got to be representative of me. You know, and it's not only just me, but of the characters too. I mean, at this point. Yeah. We've gone through seven books. Uh, most readers will have gone through seven books by the time they're released. And it's, it's got to be worthy of that journey. You know, I know that the readers make an investment, particularly with something like The Legion, because it is so extensive and there are so many characters to follow. Um, it's an investment for them. And I, and I want them to feel that they've made this journey with these characters. And I want them to feel the importance and the emotional impact of it. And if that's not coming across in the writing, then you've got to let it go. You know, it's okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I know you do. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have uh, kids yourself? Or do you have a family? Oh, my God, no. My kids would be no. so crazy. <laughs> the reason I ask is this is a really cool uh, legacy to, to pass down to your kids if you have uh, yeah, if you had kids. Great. If I think if I weren't afraid of corrupting my children into total wackos, <laughs> that, that would be great. No, I like to. Welcome to my excuse why I don't have kids. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, have, um, I'm, I have amazing nieces and a nephew that I absolutely adore. And actually, um, part two of the Bound Trilogy is dedicated to my eldest niece who inspired one of the characters in the bound trilogy my fans will know her as lucy and she's part of the bound trilogy and i dedicated the book to my sister-in-law and um her daughter ada and they are um two of my favorite favorite girls on the planet 
What is what is the family, especially the nieces and the nephews? What, what do the family think of the books? Have they read the books? Do they come up to you and be like, "Aunt, uh, what, what's uh, what's up with the book okay, now?" Well, my books are not appropriate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I hope they're over age no, or of age. They are too young. They are too young. I think they'll probably be able to read them, you know, in their teenage years. But my father-in-law did get a hold of a copy of Bound, and I Uh-oh. nearly had a heart attack. And I and I made my sister-in-law quickly run to the house and get rid of it <laughs> so that she would not read it and i you know i i, I can't I, they i don't they don't need to read it it's it's okay i mean i still have friends who um who i love and i adore but have don't know this side of me don't know you know isabella the writer they they kind of grew up with me and being a different kind of person i think very you know scholarly oriented and um and so when they get a hold of the book they're kind of freaking out (laughs) they're like wow you have a lot to say (laughs) has this happened to you because it happened to me uh, doing music in the past uh, where i would present some of like new music or new work that i've done uh, to friends and family, do you get that weird feeling inside where you're like, eh, I can't believe I'm showing something that I just did to them? You know, like, does that ever happen to you? Like, that queasy feeling? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, I have to say, um, you know, for me, it's kind of like, eh, I don't really have anything to lose. You know, um, if I'm showing it to friends and family, um, I know at the very least they're going to be like, well. It's a little weird, <laughs> you know, but that could be good. I get that a lot too, by the way. <laughs> you know, um, I'm okay with that. And I, you know, I, I like that. I think, you know, anytime I hit the publish button on, you know, my, my publishing platform, there is a moment of wanting to vomit. <laughs> you know, I am not going to lie about that. There is a moment, and there have been many times where I've been like, nope, I'm not going to press the button. And my husband's like, press the button. And I'm like, nope. He's like, press the button. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but then you just go, yeah, it's there. You know, this is it. And, um, you know, I made it a point when I started this journey to... I, you know, I don't, I don't read reviews, and I know a lot of authors out there are going to gasp mm. at me. Um, but again, this is, I don't speak for every author, and every author has their own meticulous thing that they do, and they have the things that are important to them. But, yeah. you know, for me, that is not the important thing for why I write. I would write regardless of the reviews. And there was a famous quote, and I'm losing the person who said it, but, um, you know, good and bad reviews have to go down the same drain when Mm -hmm. you, you know, Um, because what happens is you can very easily get caught in the trap of a good review and then feel the pressure to continue to produce work that everybody loves. And then a bad review from somebody who doesn't know you could care less about your story, has no idea what it's what it's taken you to be who you are and what your resources are, but they just don't like what you've produced. Yeah. Um, can then completely derail your creative vision, and you will no longer produce anything ever again. Yeah. Um, and see that that is not a mode I care to exist in in either realm. Okay. And so for me, now it's lovely when people come up to me and say thank you so much for writing such and such, or thank you for being honest about your story. And I can see how you grew up in some of these books and and I can relate. And that is a beautiful connectivity for me to make with somebody. That's why I write. 
I do not write for people to tell me I am the best writer in the world because that is not my goal. <laughs> okay? um, I did not set out. I do not want to be the next Tolkien. I have no interest in being the next George R. R. Martin. I'm not a 70-year-old white man um, who's writing you know, about the Tudor dynasty in a fantasy you know, situation. That is not me. Um, I write the story that I want to write. And if people relate to it and they enjoy it, that's awesome. If it's not for them and they don't like what I do, then you can read something else. <laughs> you know? sure, sure. There's lots. You, you know, but even when Tolkien was writing his uh, Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbits and stuff, I, I don't even think he uh, realized just how big that would get. So you never know. I mean, you never know. You, you say that now. Yeah, that's true. That is. True. But in 20 years, somebody might be talking on the radio show saying, "You know, I was inspired." Yes. Isabella, and she was uh, a great author, and you know she wrote this amazing series of books, and yeah. and they'll have shows just about you. I mean, that could very well happen. I that would be lovely. I think if if there is somebody who feels, I mean, even if they don't relate to the work, but they relate to my story in terms of how I came to the work, then even for that for me, I think that's that even has more of an impact than the actual story I've produced. Um, because that's what it's about. You know, the, the books are a reflection of, you know, it's, it's my, those are my letters that I will mm-hmm. never write, that I will never send to people. Those are statements that I will never be able to make to people. Um, it is a journey that I went through, and that's all of it laid out so far in six books. Um, and so if somebody can take that process and be inspired by that process, they don't have to like the work itself. It's not for everybody. I, you know, there are plenty of things I read that I can't stand. And I'm like, wow, why the <laughs> hell did I read that? Um, but I'm pretty sure the author is going to continue to write regardless of whether or not Isabel likes their yeah. book. Um, and that's, you know, that's me. That's how I come to things. And I think if you're going to be in this business, you, you have to come up with a plan for how you're going to deal with it. And some people love reviews and that makes them really happy. And I'm so glad. But for me, in order to, to continue to be authentic and to not put the pressure on myself and to make sure I'm giving myself an honest chance to tell my story, I have to put all that kind of stuff on the back burner, you know, and just write and just yeah. tell the story. That's it. No, I hear you. I, I'm very, very similar uh, mindset when it comes to reviews. I, I rarely pay attention to like uh, critiques or reviews. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and, and it's funny because I would do that uh, for the most part with, uh, and, and I've been featured on a couple websites and stuff for, for the radio shows. And uh, they've told me, oh, they they talked about your shows, and you know, they give a review of one of And I'm like, I don't care really. Yeah. I don't even I don't even go on like YouTube and look at their people's comments and stuff. Right. Eh, none of that really matters to me. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the day, it's really about the message they were putting That's out right. there. That's, That's really what it, what it is, and if people connect to that message, if people understand uh, what it is you're talking about, and they, they get that connection with you, to me that's much more important than the couple of people that write a couple of comments, whether it's positive or negative, uh, because at the, same, at the same time, somebody may write something positive now, and they may hate your next show or your next oh, book and yeah. write something negative. So. Absolutely, and I think you're exactly right, and I think you, you hit it on point, which was it's about the message, it's about mm-hmm. the platform. You know, and I think, you know, doing the radio show or or being an artist, I think if you choose, again, you don't have to make this choice, so don't anybody get up in arms, but if you you make the choice, I think using your art to have a platform to speak about the things that are important to you, to speak about your own journey um, and your own, uh, you know, authentic story or the things that are important, I think that's where the key is, you know, because then it makes everything else 
ugh, nobody cares. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> you know, much. It doesn't matter if people are not in, you know, if they're like, ah, I don't like the way he commented on this, or, oh, she doesn't use a comma in the right place. Really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Grammar just, Nazis, not, thank yeah, you very much. <laughs> not get the bigger takeaway from this, I don't know. Um, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Um, but for me, it's a platform to be able to engage with people that, you know, I meet a lot of people who don't feel like they're creative, and it makes me really sad because I used to feel that way. Um, you know, my mother was a, was an amazing artist, and mm-hmm. she, you know, didn't have the circumstance to allow her to be artistic and to express that side of herself. And I think in some ways I feel that there is an element of me allowing that to come through uh, her in some way through me. Um, and so when somebody comes up to me and says, oh, I can never write a book, you know, that's not necessary. You don't have to write right. a book. You, there are lots of other ways to be creative, and it's not just in the visual arts. It's not just in dance or acting or performing. You know, being an excellent teacher, being a wonderful teacher is a creative art. You know, that takes a tremendous amount of creativity. Um, To be an amazing parent takes an uh, enormous level of creativity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it's just changing the way we look at what being creative means. You know, I think it's very often we get sucked into this box again that, you know, society kind of puts a stamp on what it means to be creative and then what it means to be good at being creative, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if people can realize that that box is incredibly narrow and that most people don't fit into it Um, and that's actually an okay thing that's a good thing Uh, and I think it's just redefining how we look at these notions of creative contribution yeah no kidding yeah, uh, and, and, and it's funny you mentioned creative contributions. Uh, you know, when we're talking about independent work, uh, creative contribution—that's you know the best uh, place to look for creative contribution, as we were saying earlier on the show. That's where most of the creative stuff is coming from. But here's the kicker: uh, you know, it seems like it's getting more and more popular with everyday folks because there is that connection that is happening that we were talking about. Uh, you know, like the caller we had, Shana, she has that connection with you. She's going to follow your work, you know, for the rest of her life, you know, the rest of your life. Uh, it, it, it is a little bit more of a spiritual connection, would you think, also with with the uh, the fan base when you're I, a little bit on your level, considering you know that you're independent. Yes, I I think there there is. I think you put a good a good shape on that is that there is that level of intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think it's person dependent. You know, I. Right. You know, not everybody has to be that way, and and that's okay. My persona, um, just as a person, and it has a lot to do with the way I grew up and 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 who I chose to be out of that situation. Um, I like for for people to tell me their story. I like to connect with people on a very personal level. It inspires me. I am inspired by people's stories. Um, you know, uh, mostly because I'm tired of listening to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. takes me to my next question uh, question here. Uh, you've written fantasy books. I mean, any uh, any I guess uh, ideas of or maybe aspirations of writing something uh, dealing in, in more of the real world and uh, fantasy related. Yeah, I don't think I'm smart enough. <laughs> oh, I, I think you are. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I revel in the people who can write sort of the nonfiction realm of things. Um, and it's just a whole, you know, the whole notion of like this historical fiction stuff just blows my mind. 
because I, I'm like, how do you even approach that? So not only is it fiction, which means you have to be creative, but then you right. also have to do all of the historical research and make sure that that's accurate and then find a way to weave it into the fiction. That is so above and beyond <laughs> my creative level. I couldn't even imagine um, you know, being able to do something like that. <laughs> it would be great. Um, but really, I really, I really want to do a comic book. That, that's really I, cool. I, th- I think that's your call. To do a comic book. Yeah, That's the next big thing. I'd love to do a comic. I would love for Anna, Nathaniel, Patrick, and Steven from the Bound Trilogy to be a comic book. I think they would make an awesome comic book. Yeah. There you go. We need to make that happen. I know. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Isabella, we're almost out of time here on the show, and I also want to give you, uh, you know, time to uh, plug the website again. And and uh, if you have anything upcoming that you want to promote, uh, you know, really uh, go ahead and, and take the time to go ahead and do so. Oh, that's so nice. Yes, we're very excited. If uh, if you're in the South Carolina, Greenville area, yes. uh, March 21st and 22nd, you can come visit us at the TD Center for the South Carolina Comic-Con. And then the very next weekend, we'll be here in our own community of Cullowee, North Carolina, at the Western Carolina University WeCon. It's the second annual Comic-Con here at the campus of WCU. So you can see us in those two places up and coming, and you can get all information that you need on the irharrisbooks.com website and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all that information is also on the website. Very cool. Now I am ordering the next two books because you were kind enough to send me the first one and I do want to contribute <laughs> to the cause because as an independent artist to another I do want to contribute. Uh, so I will be ordering the other two. It might take me a while to read all three. Oh, I'm just being honest. <laughs> now when I am done with the books though I do want to have you back on and I want to talk to you a little bit more in depth about each one of them because I'll have a little knowledge of what I'm talking about awesome. at that point and I'll know more of the characters <laughs> and stuff and and especially it's a trilogy so I really want to you know dig into all three books uh, so will you be so kind in the future to come back on the show and, and talk to me again about the books it would be an incredible honor I can't tell you enough that I would I would love it it would be pleasure <laughs> The honor is all mine. And look, I tell you what, it, this is really cool. I'm going to put a video on this on YouTube. Uh, you were so nice to even autograph the book. Thank you so much for that. Oh, that my gosh, so cool it's the least I can do. I, I, I'll send you the other two once we get back from the Comic-Con, and you can get those autographed, too. That way, in case you need, when you you know, make it big, you can resell them on eBay. <laughs> no, I would never resell these on eBay. Maybe Amazon, but not eBay. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, there no, I would never do that. That's you know. It, it, it's funny since I've been doing the show. Uh, we have a couple more minutes. Uh, Pete, my producer, is driving me crazy here. But uh, you know, it's funny since I've been doing the show, um, Isabella. Uh, I get sent a lot of books. You know, I have a couple book companies that send me authors and uh, guests uh, for the show, and I get literally like five, six books a week sometimes. Wow, so it piles up. The books pile up, and I have an entire closet just full of books. Like literally, it's just stacks and stacks and stacks of books. I am building in my new studio that I'm building here in the next uh, few months. I'm building an entire bookshelf from one of the walls. One, it's a huge wall. It's gonna be all nothing but books. And I've always wanted to have that. I've always wanted to go you know, walk into a studio and be like. This is my bookshelf. Is Look at my nice. books. How cool is that, huh? <laughs> Score. That is that is the kind of job you want to have, friend. Is right. That, yeah. <laughs> you this is why I love what I do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway. Love what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Reading is fundamental, and I want to encourage everybody to go on, on Amazon, go on your website, and uh, buy the books, check out the books, uh, you know, read them. 
Read them before even I do, and then get back to me. Go on my website inside the Jackal's Head, uh, the main website, thejackalshead.com, and uh, tell me your, your, give us your feedback. The podcast is going to be there. I'd love to you know hear back from some of the readers uh, who become fans of yours along the way from uh, listening to the show and hear their feedback. And of course, we have your books now on the book club on my website. Is in there. If you guys want to go directly to the website and just click on there, and it'll take you directly to where to purchase the books. Isabella, it was awesome having you on here. Thanks so much for being a part oh. of the show tonight. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to chat with you again. I really appreciate it. You've been awesome. Thanks, you too. (laughs) Have a great night, dear. Thanks, honey. You too. Take care. Bye. There you go, everybody. That is Isabella Harris, uh, I.R. Harris. Again, the uh, the trilogy is the Bound trilogy, and uh, it really is just a a great, great, uh, you know, uh, time to be an independent artist. It really is, especially authors and graphic designers and uh, filmmakers like myself and whatnot, because of the simple fact that now we get to uh, have technology be at the same kind of playing field or, or level as the rest of us. You know what I mean? Now we all get to enjoy the success that the mainstream uh, you know, folks would, would enjoy before, because it's easier access, baby. We could put these books out there ourselves. Look, she's a one-man, uh, or one-woman crew, I should say. Uh, she's doing all the work, uh, you know, or a lot of the work herself, and she's gotten a lot of people now involved in getting you know, the work done. Uh, but she started by herself, doing it, uh, doing it on her own. That's how I started. And you know, for anybody listening out there uh, who, wanted, who wants to be an independent artist, that's how you do it. You start off on your own, you, you work on it, you work on it, you work at your craft, and you continue to work on your craft until you perfect it. That's the only way you get ahead in life. That's the only, only way you get ahead in life. And uh, before we go, I do have one more thing to uh, to announce on the uh, network here on PSN Radio. Uh, we have a new show coming on board on Sunday nights. We're going to be airing the Going Way Back... Or uh, Let me uh, clear my throat and Say this again. Hold on. The going, the going way back show. Way back going, going way back. Hold on. I'm gonna get the uh, proper name here because I'm butchering it. Hold on. Going. Yeah, the the going way back show. There you go. Goingwaybackshow.com is the website. Uh, going way back show. Actually, speaking of independent artists and really legends. Uh, it's a it's a show a podcast that is uh, hosted by Money B. And Money B is from the legendary rap group Digital Underground, who is one of my favorite uh, groups of all times. Uh, of course, I'm a huge fan of uh, Tupac, Digital Underground, you know, the, the whole 90s uh, hip-hop scene. And, um, you know, Money B is one of the dudes that got Tupac into the rap industry. I mean, he was one of the main uh, catalysts to uh, get him in uh, Digital Underground, and the rest is history, as we know. Uh, so he does a podcast, uh, The Going Way Back Show, and uh, it's going to be now on PSN Radio. I uh, wanted to announce that before the end of the show here tonight. So starting next week on Sunday, you'll be able to hear his show. Actually, this Sunday coming up, you'll be able to hear his show on Sunday nights. We're going to figure out the time slot. It will be on Sunday uh, afternoon sometime, so we'll figure out what time slot. So please keep looking on psn-radio.com for all the developing uh, you know, stuff that uh, that's going on with those shows, uh, with these shows and with the network. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Money B, but he's been on just incredible uh, music in the past. He did uh, the song with Tupac, I Get Around. He was on that, and uh, he's uh, just a legendary rapper and uh, iconic and really a very nice dude. 
I was shocked at how nice of a guy this guy is, and I, you know, I've been talking to him a few uh, a few times now on the phone, and just going back and forth and, uh, and picking his brain on different things, and and uh, just uh, amazed at just how, how nice of a guy he is and how soft spoken and stuff he is, uh, considering he's kind of a legend. And you know, some people when they get to that position in life, they get that ego and they get a little crazy with it, you know. Uh, but it hasn't happened, in the, and uh, you guys are going to love his show, the Going Way Back Show. Uh, right here on PSN Radio. Now, guys, we're going to be uh, signing off for the evening. I had to make that announcement before we left off. Uh, but before we sign off, I wanted to, of course, go out with a little independent music. And as I've been doing all night, I've been playing some of my close friends from Out of Sight to the Rush Project uh, to, of course, Young Kano with the track that I did with him. Put your drinks up. Good stuff, huh? Now I'm going to play another track from another friend of mine who's been actually on this show before. And I'm talking about the one and the only Senile. And this track is called Bars. So check out this track from Senile. He's going to be on the uh, mixtape also that I'm working on with uh, Young Kano. And uh, that's going to be a crazy mixtape. My goodness, that's going to be fun. Uh, so anyway, this is Senile with Bars. Guys, we'll be back next week right here on the best back-to-back on PSN Radio. Zod Rider Show and then Inside the Jackal's Head every Tuesday night starting at 9 p.m. Eastern going all the way to 1 a.m. in the morning every single week. See you next week, everybody. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Step up on the block just to knock down the buildings No riders block, got the plot pack, got the feeling Everyone's watching, I'ma pop from the ceiling With a sniper rifle, no stopping, no type of penicillin No save from the pain that I'ma send and believe it I'm itching to get a Steven, you started with your deceiving No point in your homie grieving, he's meeting with you deceiving Question what to believe in, this music has got me speaking And if it's tongue speaking, one of twenty's fifty hundred Risking it sound redundant, but I rippity rippity gun it To the point you can't stomach anything, yeah I'ma run it Over and over for his gun, dumb it Shoot for the sky like I'm empty in the chamber Got the power now like a gun down a ranger Little fucking girl, I'm a stranger Danger, come and get shaped up Sweetie Ty's razor Hit you in the brain pump just so you can wake up Call me Chris Angel, nothing but a brain fuck Need a couple minutes just to settle down now I done ran around the town, gotta slow my heart down They told me 100 bars, so I spit a buck 50 Never follow rules, I don't need the goons with me But they like my extra clip, so they stay in tune with me I'm on my dirty dozen, yeah, I stay getting busy Ran so long, I forgot to introduce me she got this locked down, you can call me Lil Boosie See now it's a name, you won't wanna fucking shoot me Take this money in a bucket like a fucking two-piece So quit it, I'm quitting, I'm way too fly You can sweep down the dust while I pass you by So if you can't beat me, then you all welcome to join me Let's scream fuck the world, like the universal orgy I've been this shit so long, I went and grew roots You just plain do who you complaining to While I use voodoo to get a beam of brand new Or a Bentley coupe with some brand new shoes See now what's the point, I created this shit Got my work put in with Every verse that I spit now, isn't that a pip? I'm a pimp all the way and get every single dollar that you made for me today. Every second I'm awake and every breath that I breathe, I just get more money. Yeah, assassins greed. Yeah, you better go believe this assassins greed. When you see the fucking hoodie shit was made for me, I use my music as a therapeutic instrument. This just fits me so perfect, like a glove in the wind. Who can tell me that I'm wrong and not planning for the future? I could be a major pain. Who care for my shooters?